Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. I had the privilege of interviewing Maggie Varney, a licensed cosmetologist with over 50 years in the beauty industry. In 2003, she founded Maggie's Wigs for Kids of Michigan to provide free wigs and support services to children experiencing hair loss. Maggie's story will surely inspire you to use your skills to make a difference and help others in need. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and sign up for our mailing list at mastersbywinclayabaugh.com. And remember, the Masters Podcast is available on your favorite podcast platforms. Hi everybody, Wynn Claybaugh here. This is going to be a very, very cool interview, even though I just met this beautiful woman 10 minutes ago. Her name has been thrown at me for a number of years, and the person who thought that this interview was so important, actually, I think she bought your plane ticket and said, Wynn, I'm going to put her on a plane. She's going to go to California. You need to get this woman interviewed. And uh, I have a feeling that she was right. So thank you, Tina Black, (laughs) for making this happen. But I'm sitting here with Maggie Varney, and uh, she is the founder and CEO of this program called Wigs for Kids, which we're going to talk a lot about. But that's not your only connection to the beauty industry. How long have you been in the industry now? Uh, Over 40 years, when? Dang, you're doing something right. Well, it's a great industry. I never have wanted to do or be anything else. I'm very fortunate. I get to do what I love every day. And just so everybody knows, her beautiful husband is sitting here in the room today, too. Does he always smile like that? He genuinely is a wonderful person and a great partner. I'm very blessed to have that kind of love and support. Huh. He hasn't stopped smiling since we walked in, so I don't... I know. So, so something's going on, or he's like that all the time, and I think he he's like really that all is. the time. That is his nature. Isn't it the That's, best? Yes, it is. Absolutely. I, I, need, I need people like that around <laughs> me all the time. You know, just people who are just... Yeah. It's nice. It's really nice to get... He, in the morning, he's like that, and at night, he's like that. That's so, great. That's who he is. That's great. Well, Maggie, welcome to Masters, and thank you so much for jumping on a plane all the way from Michigan Absolutely. to be here in Southern California, and also grateful to you because you... Uh, went into my school and taught classes, and, and uh, my mom happened to be here in town. She I flew know. in yesterday, so mom got to meet you. And so even mom had your brochures and your packets singing your praises before I got to meet you this morning. So thank She's you so much. Lady. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and read this so everybody has a good understanding of who Maggie is. Again, founder and CEO of Wigs for Kids. Uh, you've been inducted into the Macomb County Foundation Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. dang it, uh, for the work that you've done for Wigs for Kids. Maggie was also honored with the Art Van Hope Award in 2001, which is presented to community leaders whose tireless efforts are planting the seeds of hope in families and communities in Michigan. You are also the president and owner of Go Green Salon, which we'll talk about. Again, in the industry for 40 years as a successful business owner, entrepreneur for 24 years. Recently, Maggie's full-service, environmentally friendly salon has been recognized as one of the 101 best, brightest, sustainable companies. And boy, there's, you know, sustainable, that's an important word these days. You know, a lot of people are spinning their wheels and working really, really hard, but is it sustainable? Mm -hmm. The process is create, train, sustain. And people are always in the process of creating, creating, creating. Mm -hmm. Well, at some point, enough with the good ideas, you know, let's start training people on a system and then sustain this. Absolutely. Good for you. Let's see. All kinds of awards that you have received, community awards, not just within the beauty industry. Uh, I love this, and I want to talk about this as well because I love this organization. Uh, you're a certified technician of the National Look Good, Feel Better adult and teen program. For over 20 years, you've been doing that, volunteering your time and talent to cancer patients. Mm-hmm. And Look Good, Feel Better is basically helping uh, cancer patients deal with the appearance-related side effects of chemotherapy and radiation and but as, as anybody listening to this, and you could certainly attest to this, it's not about what you're doing on the outside only. Oh, yes, absolutely. What these patients are going through, it's uh, devastating. And whenever it alters their appearance and they look in the mirror and they don't recognize who they see, they need the support and the help. 
So when they come to the class, you know, it's amazing how they take off their wigs and they're just all one. There's that common bond there between them and they support each other, but we're there to help them with the hair, skin, and nails. And if they've never been through this journey, they don't know what their choices are. So we educate them and help them to make this process a little better. If they don't recognize themselves when they look in the mirror based mm -hmm. on what's physically happening to them, mm -hmm. how do their families relate to them? How do their spouses relate to them? Sometimes it's actually harder on the family. Right. Because, you know, they won't even take their wigs off sometimes in front of their family or their grandchildren because it scares them or they get upset because it's the reality. You know, they're diagnosed and they're already going through treatment uh, and had surgery and haven't lost their hair sometimes. But the minute they lose that hair, that's the first visual sign to the outside world of what's going on. And so it's uh, challenging for the, our loved ones around us because they want to do something, but they don't know what to do. Well, I'm going to bring us back to that topic about what look good, feel better does because I know that there are thousands of people listening to this yes. right now who have the time, they have the talents, mm -hmm. and could absolutely contribute to that incredible program. You uh, received this 2000 and 2003 Outstanding Volunteer of the Year Award. Dang, girl, you've been busy. You know, let's get into talking about uh, wigs for kids, which provides, well, you, you tell us what it does. Um, but just so everybody knows, you received the Governor's Service Award in the category of, wow, exemplary community service. It's not just the good work that you're doing. It's the good example that you're setting for other people to do the same. So, no crying. We just started. It's just, geez, we're just barely around the first bend here, and you and I are already... <laughs> Okay, so tell us about Wigs for Kids, which you've had for how many years now? We're in our ninth year. Okay. And uh, I founded the program uh, actually through the Look Good, Feel Better program is how it was brought to my attention. I have had the honor and privilege of serving adult patients for the last 23 years. I volunteer for that program, and I still do that. Mm -hmm. And I always say in my real life, I work behind a chair and own a salon. That's what I do. And this was my volunteer work and my way of giving back. And I had a 16-year-old girl come to my class who was uh, going through cancer, and I thought she was there to support her mother, but actually her mother was there to support her. Wow. Because there was no place for this young girl to go and get a wig, and at the end of the class when I asked, are there any questions, she said yes, and she pulled this wig out and threw it on the table and said, what do you do when you're a kid and you need a wig? And somebody had given this wig to her, and it wasn't that she was ungrateful, she was angry when, because they don't want to be sick. They don't want right. to be going through this, of course. And I looked at it and thought, wow, I don't know, because it, you know, it was not something that a young girl would like to wear, would be comfortable in. And I said, here's my card. Why don't you call me at my salon and let me see what I can do? Now, I don't own a wig salon. I did not sell wigs. I have worked with patients to help them, but that was my volunteer work. And I had many of them bring their wigs to me, and I would cut them and fit them and help them. But I certainly, that wasn't the business I was in. And I thought, well you know, maybe I can help this girl. She's 16 years old. Maybe she could wear like an adult. They have some really nice synthetic medical wigs available, and maybe I could get her one and help this child. And that's when it first came to realization for me that there was no program for children. And so I decided to help her, and I did. So I thought to myself, there was a gentleman in my chair when I took her call, and I had helped his wife with a wig. And when he got up to pay for his haircut, he said, how much did my wife pay for her wig? And I said, oh, I don't remember. I, it was between three or $400. And he wrote the check for his haircut plus $400 to pay for this child's wig. Wow. Okay? And I said to myself, oh, my God, if there's one person out there that will do that, there's got to be others mm -hmm. that will help these kids. And maybe we can help a few kids. Maybe we can make a difference. But when I had no idea, I really had no idea how many children there were out there. There are 12,500 newly diagnosed cases of kids with cancer every year in the United States alone. Oh my God. And I thought to myself, oh my God, you know, I could never do that. You know, I mean, so why don't I just start with the kids in Michigan? Right. You know, maybe I could just help a few kids here in Michigan. Even though I'm in business and I have a degree in business, I said, you know, 
the nonprofit and the for-profit world are two completely different animals. The oh, laws, the yeah. rules. Yes, they are. Completely different. Animals. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, yes. you know. I think for-profit could certainly right. learn how to uh, run a better business to save money and make money, even though it's not for-profit, mm -hmm. and vice versa. The for-profit community Absolutely. could learn about how to give back and <laughs> there you go. to their communities oh, that financially support them, right? That's true. You said something, you said... Maybe there wasn't a national program, but you you know you wanted to start. You said, "Well, I can I can start here in Michigan," and I think that that's a great message because a lot of people think, you know, "Gosh, I really want to jump on a plane yeah. and uh, go feed starving kids in Africa." I'm like, "But there's starving kids down the street." There you go. <laughs> start when... start in your own backyard. Absolutely, start with your own. And I had been sending hair to Locks of Love for about 15 years through mm -hmm. my salon, so I thought, "Well, I'm going to call them and ask them what would they recommend." And so I did, and I said, where in Michigan could we send our kids to get a wig? And they said, really, Maggie, there is no place. And I said, why is that? And they said, well, because one, they're labor-intensive, they're cost-prohibitive, and the children either recover or expire. Wow. And I went, really? Okay. And I hung the phone up, and I looked at my husband, and I said, Something is wrong with this picture. I said, well, I own a salon. I'm certified and accredited to work with patients. Maybe we can help a few kids. And that's how it started. So when you started this, you said nine years ago, mm -hmm. you, you didn't have a facility at that point. So, so I, I mean, walk us through this. What did you do? You had to find hair. You had to find... I really didn't know what I was doing. I don't even know, I don't even know the questions to ask, <laughs> and yet you had to do it. Yes, it was quite a feat to find out. But, you know, you, you reach out to the industry, and people know that you're trying to do good, and so they help. And I, when I called Locks of Love, they were supportive in telling me, you know, what that there was nothing available and that, you know, this you'd have to try to figure this out, and this is what they do and who they work with. And then I contacted that company and said, look, this is what I'm trying to do. I'd like to provide wigs for children, but, you know, I don't have any money. And I said, I want to provide them for free for these children, but how do I get started? And so I took um, $5,000 of my own money, opened a bank account and said, when that money's gone, we're done, you know. Um, but what happened when, to my surprise, was that we did a fundraiser. Now all these people in our, my, our community that I had helped their mother, their father, their sister, their brother for all those years. When we had our first fundraiser, we had 800 people lined around the building for a $10 plate spaghetti dinner. They came out because they heard now I was right. going to be working with children. And if it wasn't for the kindness and generosity of the community, that would not have happened. Well, <laughs> if you had not served your community for all those years, you know, you put it out there, you put it out there, you put it out there, you make those deposits, so to speak. I mean, you, you can't draw from a, a bank account that's empty. I know. We, we got to make those deposits all the time because you never know when you're going to have to draw from that. But you don't do it with that intention. Not at all. I, I had no idea, you right. know. So that was the beginning, really. And then whenever I reached out to these companies and said, this is what I'm trying to do and I'd like to help these children, they're like, okay, Maggie, you know, this is what the cost is. And, and then learning how to do this, you know, and sending me videos so I could watch how to make a plaster mold on a child's head. And, and I was telling your students yesterday how I shaved the mannequin head and made the plaster mold and took it off. And, and the first child that I ever made the mold for, I was just envisioning taking him to the emergency and <laughs> having you know, <laughs> gosh, What have you done to this child? Right. Why do they have a plaster cap? Exactly. Oh, jeez. So, but it worked out fine. And, you know, like everything in life, you just you get better at it as you go along. And, and truly, now when I'm so proud to say that there are eight hospitals that work with pediatric oncology, and uh, all eight of them in Michigan, all of them, we service their children. But when I first started this, my whole focus, and 65% of our kids do have cancer, my whole focus was on children with cancer. But then I started getting calls from burn survivors and the hospital sending me children who have been severely burned and their hair doesn't grow back, and then children with hydrocephalus and children with alopecia. And 
uh, trichotillomania, you know, the obsessive compulsive disorder where they pull their hair out, and that's probably the one that they suffer the most, you know, as far as socially, it's so unacceptable to people, right. you know. And um, so, of course, you don't turn them away either. So right. uh, I said, after a couple years, I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought it was about, you know, for some reason, I thought these people would come to me once, I would put a wig on their head and they would go on their way and they'd feel better about themselves, but that's not what it's about. It's different for the children. When you're an adult, from the time you're diagnosed to your hair grows back, you're looking at one year. When you're a child, you're looking at three to five years minimum. Why is that? Because usually we don't think of children having cancer. So unfortunately, by the time children are diagnosed, 80% of the time it's metastasized. Okay. So it's usually further, the, the disease is further, so, and the recurrence rate is greater. But the good news is 75% of our children survive. Ten years ago, it was 90% did not. So 75% survive now, which is wonderful. They go on to be productive, wonderful adults. Hmm. Unfortunately, 25% of them we lose. Mm -hmm. And if you lose one, it's too many because they leave such an imprint on your heart. But I don't see them once, I see them year after year after year. And I say we go to their, into chemo parties and we go to their graduations and we go to their funerals sometimes mm -hmm. because it's all part and parcel of it. We don't just provide wigs mm -hmm. for these children. We provide a source of support. We provide hope, mm -hmm. we give them hope. And I didn't know this when I started it. You know, it's kind of like, I didn't know that God was getting me ready to work with children when he had me work with adults for 23 years. So you now have a facility. So prior to this facility though, how did you do that? Would the kids have to come to you for you to fit the mold on their head or did you send instructions to mom and dad oh, and no. say, no, here, no. put plaster no. on your kid's head oh, no. and send me the mold. I mean, <laughs> yeah. how'd you no. do it? And you know, some companies do that. We do not do that. The children come directly to the facility. Well, I had a salon. So I was, I closed the salon. Where in Michigan, by the way? In St. Clair Shores. Where, St. Which is where? Uh, suburbs it? of Detroit. Okay. Yeah, right. suburbs of Detroit. So I had a salon, and so on Mondays I was closed because I would teach my Look Good Feel Better class one Monday a month at two different cancer centers. And so the other three Mondays I would see kids. Mm -hmm. Well, then I had too many kids. So then I would see them on Mondays. Like, and too, like too many kids. Like how many kids could you work with you in, in, a, in a day? You can only see about four a day okay. because the intake takes so long. You know, when these children... Um, they've been through so much and they've been poked and prodded and you know the doctors are so busy saving their life and they don't want to come to a medical facility so when they get to come to a they call it a real salon right. they think it's really cool right. and so they come to the salon and I close the salon so because their immune system is compromised mm -hmm. I don't want them to be exposed to other people so and a lot of times they're wearing masks and they're neutropedic and they can't be out in public and so um when they come to us, nobody's there but myself and mm -hmm. a receptionist, you mm -hmm. know, so that they're not exposed to uh, a lot of germs. And then I work with them. But a, a lot of times when the first time I see them, I don't even touch them. You know, I have to win them over first. They have to trust me. They have to know me. And sometimes they're angry and sometimes they're grateful. And, so, you know, sometimes they're crying. And we sit and cry together as I'm shaving their head. And, you know, I mean, it's... Um, each child is different, and it's all individual. As much as they're, they're alike, they're all different. And um, so they would come to the salon, and then I had ch so many kids, I would have to close the salon on Wednesday. And then I said, I can't keep, and, I would, and on Sunday I would go in. And so finally by then I realized that these kids needed more than a wig. They needed a place. And I called it a wellness center where they could go and they could be with other kids like themselves and they could have the camaraderie and friendship and they could, be, you know, be comfortable in their own skin. And, you know, I could work with them and show them, you know, like we did for Christmas, we did a glitz and glamour and, sh you know, show them how to do holiday makeup. And, um, and you know, when, when these kids, whether they're three or 13, there is no age difference. Mm -hmm. When... They have a common bond between them. You well, know? And the fact that they're dealing with such an adult issue. Absolutely. Life-threatening. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and I have kids that come to me in hospice and still come to me and want a wig. I had a gentleman 
16 years old, he's in a rock band. And he, he knew he was not going to be with us very long. But he wanted to say goodbye to his friends, but he did not want them to see him fall. Because right, right. he'd always had this long hair, you know. So we got him uh, a wig, and he, of course, all the kids Facebook today, and he Facebooked me and said, I feel like a rock star, and he's sitting on the side of his bed. And to die with dignity and be able to see his friends, is that important? You're darn right that's important, you know? And um, that's the work that we do. We don't just provide wigs. Hmm. You know, we provide hope. And um, these children, they just want to fit in. They just want to have a sense of belonging. And I don't know why this has not really been addressed in our industry. Mm. There's great organizations out there that are helping, like Locks of Love, and there's a Wigs FOR Kids, and they're great. But we are helping the children with not only the wig, but we're helping them to heal with the psychological, social, and emotional aspects. Mm -hmm. So we have a whole, we have all volunteer board, we have a whole medical team that's all volunteer, and we have a whole educational team that's all volunteer that works with our kids. As it should be. Yes, absolutely. The direction I want to kind of take this interview is we want to hear your story, and mm -hmm. so I want to get all the details of your story. Also, just kind of logistically what it looks like. So I want people to have a good understanding so they're going to be drawn in emotionally yeah. because of of your story and your heart and your passion about this. So, you know, they're going to be sitting here listening to this crying as well. And mm. I believe that, you know, hope is born out of participation in a hopeful solution. It's mm -hmm. always people who are standing on the outside of a crisis, mm -hmm. meaning they refuse to get involved or they don't have the time to get involved or they're afraid to get involved and they continue to feel hopeless. But yes. when you do something... The second that you've experienced that crisis in your own life or in your own family or in your own neighborhood, and now you volunteer for a cause that will bring hope to the situation, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're not so hopeless anymore. So, so people are listening to this and they say, okay, cool, I feel hopeless right now. I hear what she's saying. I feel what she's saying. And now I need to get involved too. And so I want them to understand what it means to get involved, what it looks like. And so I'll ask you those questions as well. Okay. So um, in, your, in your personal story, so for years you were bringing them on a Monday, perhaps you know, four kids at a time right. for you to do the, the, the cast molding to, to be able to fit them and mm -hmm. get the hair and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But then you opened up an actual facility. Tell us about okay. that. Our wellness center, we opened. Which is not your salon. So you have your salon and you have this wellness center. Right, okay. right. Well, I have a salon in the middle of this wellness center. Right in the middle of this okay. wellness center. And I built the wellness center right around it. So, which is great because all day long, like a parade, we had 8,000 hair donations last year that people sent from around the world. But they can also come to the wellness center and have that experience of coming there and donating their hair. Okay. And and they, it empowers them. It empowers whether they're an adult or a child. We have kids as young as three years old that come in there. So the wellness center is not just those who need a wig. You have people showing up there to say, cut off my hair, I'm going to donate it. Absolutely, okay. because then we charge them for their haircut. But then that's the money that we use to actually have the wigs made. Got it. Because even though it takes 10 to 12 ponytails to make one wig, we still have to pay to have it made into a wig. Wait, so it takes how many ponytails? 10 to 12 ponytails to make one wig. Oh, wow. Now, if they're a young child, like 3 to 7 years old, it takes about 8 ponytails. And if it's, you know, depending on the age. And now I've got this down pretty good when. Now I know. I would think you so. You know, as they get older, you know, and the density. And I can pick the density, uh, you know, and they're thinner around the front when they're smaller. And so it's taken me years to figure this out. But uh, it's great because now I can customize them and they look so much more real for the children and they're more comfortable because if you know about wigs as you do every wig you get has too much hair in it and you, it takes hours endless hours to take all of that out to make it look as natural as possible no. these so, we can order to, so who's actually making the wigs then we have three different companies that make them for us depending on our needs like our children with trick who have trichotillomania and hydrocephalus, we get them a piece. And, uh, you know, so you find different wig companies that do work the best. Not many. There's two 
that actually will take the hair and make a wig from the hair that you collect. And so, and I'm just working with a new one right now. I haven't seen her product yet. I just spoke with her last week because I'm always looking for wig companies. But we work with, you know, like the Versace. We work with them on the pieces and then we work with TaylorMade. And we, you know, so there's mm -hmm. different companies that we work with depending on the need of the child because you have a different cap construction for a burn survivor than you do for a child who has alopecia totalis. You know, or a child with cancer, their hair has to grow back in. So they have to be a little lighter and cooler and allow their hair, because they wear that for a year, even when they're done with treatment, right. before their hair grows in completely. Right. So, and then we take them out of the wig and put them into a piece. So you said you have donations from all over the world that are coming in. So they're, they're, they're shipping them to this facility that you have which you call the wellness uh, Wigs for Kids Wellness Center. And yes. Okay. And, and, and then you farm those ponytails right. out to these wig companies who, who put the wigs. We okay. do. And I make the plaster mold of the heads uh, and measure and fit the children. And when they come in to see us, when the kids come to see us, there are no wig books for children. So we get a regular styling book. Mm -hmm. And they pick whatever color they want, whatever length they want. And then uh, we send the hair in, we measure and fit them, and then we send the hair in and we order whatever their needs are, the cap construction of their needs. And then when I get it back, you know, it takes like four to six weeks to get it back. Well, in the meantime, we put them in a synthetic wig because mm -hmm. they don't want to leave without some kind of, of hair. Course, of you course, of course. So we put them in a synthetic wig and a nice one, a cool, comfortable one that, you know, because there's medical ones that are made much nicer, more comfortable. And then when their wig comes in, they bring the synthetic wig back, and we go over the instructions, and then they can keep the synthetic wig for a backup for when they're washing and cleansing their wig. Right. Because it's a lot of work. Well, a wig, you know, you have to blow it dry and flat iron it, curl it, and, you know, just like you do your own hair. You don't right. have to do it as often. So, and then we go over the instructions, and, and I teach mom, and I teach them how to care and maintain this wig. So we see them a minimum of three times. The first is the intake and the evaluation and assessing what their needs are and the measuring and fitting and selection. The second time is the placement of the actual wig. And if they have any questions, we go over the cleansing instructions. The third time is like a follow-up to make sure that they don't want any changes because, you know, when they haven't had hair, and so now they're so happy to have hair, they usually won't let me cut a lot of it off. Right. But they'll come back 30 days later, and then they'll allow me to put bangs on and put layers in. And So how many, them. so these people are driving for oh, long distances? to like how? Yeah, all through the state of Michigan. Our bylaws state that when we started this program that we only service the children of Michigan because that's about all I could handle when I heard right. that there were so many children that needed our help. And that was one of the wonderful support factors that we got from the community was that, you know, I said I developed the three T's. You can donate your time, your talent, and your treasure. Uh, and by doing that, uh, they can come and volunteer as their time. They can donate their talent. And if, if they have any talent, we could utilize them. I always say, if you're breathing, I can find something for you to do. We're so blessed. We have volunteers in every single day to help us do the work that we do. What'd you, what was the third T? The three is your treasure. Your treasure. Right. So that means your time, talent, and treasure. So, and we'd love to have your support financially. Treasure me. We want your money. Right. We want your money. Absolutely. Because it cost us $800 per child to provide these services to the children. And how many, how many children per year are you currently Well, we've serviced servicing. over, and that varies. Right. That varies. When we opened the center, I thought, you know, like the first year we ever did this, we serviced like 12 kids. The next year was like 60 kids. The next year was 130 kids. So now we open the wellness center, and I'm, they say build it and they will come. And oh my God, did they start coming when so I was... So how many? We've serviced over 1,000 children. Wow. I mean, that is truly amazing. And they just, and we see some of these kids have been in our program from the beginning, like our kids with alopecia. You said 1,000 kids and yes. it's $800. How are you raising $800,000? Well, we are, out, well, <laughs> honest to God, through the kindness and generosity oh. of people. I am telling you, that is how we do it. We are out in the community constantly and people embrace it because they get it. You know, like we were in the newspaper and on TV and uh, for probably 120, 150 times last year. I make sure that we are out there because without that support, when we can't do it. Oh, nonprofit is about marketing yeah. as well. You know, yeah. I mean, you have to. Right. You absolutely have to. Yeah. Well, even, even though you're doing a good thing, you got to get the word out there. 
So remember the two places that I teach the that I mentioned earlier that I go every month and I teach at the uh, for cancer look good centers, feel better for right. look good feel better right one is called the Van Alslanders Cancer Center Mr Art Van Alslanders owns that okay so he's one of our supporters now so he, yet he, he never met me and never knew he heard about wigs for kids I helped his daughter in law hmm. when I helped his daughter in law. He did not know I had been teaching this program at his cancer center all these years. Hmm. When he found out, he got on board. So when we opened the center, he provided all of the furnishings for wow. our center. Not wow. the professional equipment, the other furnishings. And the Webbers. Joan Weber was my client, and they have the Weber Cancer Center, and I teach there. And so when I said I wanted to do this, she said, what do you need? And so he said, whatever you raise will match. Because I said I wasn't going to open a wellness center unless we went in debt-free. Right. Because I'm not going to be chased so worried about that that I can't focus on the children and right. the mission of the organization. That has to be first. And so we raised $160,000, and he matched and it matched and built it. the center for us. <laughs> wow. So... So I apologize if I'm all over the map here, but I just have so many questions as we're going through this. So you said that an adult, maybe the time period is a year where they'll, a year. Where they'll need mm -hmm. a, a wig, whereas for a child, it could be, you know, three to four years. Mm -hmm. How many different wigs would they need in that three or four year period of time? Do they outgrow them? Do yes. they... Okay, they get a so new one many? every year. Oh, okay. Our wow. program says that they get a new one every year. So that's why people say, well, how many children did you service this year? Well, we may have serviced... 85 new children, right. but then we are, still have 250 from last year right. and the year before. So we always have at least 400 children in our program that's being serviced. And when I say service, when they come back, it's now they're getting their senior pictures done. Right. They get their hair done and their makeup. Right. There's no charge for those services. Right. They come back and, and it's graduation. It's prom, whatever it is. Right. And they come back and we take care of now, them. Now, how many people are working in this wellness center, volunteers? Well, we have volunteers every day, but they don't work with the children. Okay. You know, they have to go through my training program. I set up a training program, Cuts for a Cause, and you have to be a licensed professional cosmetologist in order to go through that training. And it's just a four hours a month for four months, and for every hour of training you receive, you have to give one hour of service back to the children. Okay, say all that again. It's once a month okay. for four months, and you go through four hours of training, and for every hour of training, you have to give back one hour of service to okay. the children. And the training is? is They learn how to work with these children. They learn how to make the plaster molds. They learn how to measure and fit, how to do the color selection, how to, you know, all the different disorders, you know, the burn survivors and the children with trick and the psychological, the social, emotional, the files, the files that we keep on these kids. Every phone call that comes in that building mm. is documented, mm. every call. Because we don't ever, and there's five cameras going 24-7 in there. Mm -hmm. We don't ever, ever want the people to feel that those children are not safe and protected right. and that they are being serviced. And mm -hmm. I go to the hospitals every year. I visit each hospital and meet with the doctors, the oncologists, the social workers, and ask them, are you happy with the services we're providing? Are your children okay? Are the families pleased? If not, let us know so we can change anything we need to do to help. How do you work? How do you have, how do you have, <laughs> when, when are you taking clients? Do you oh know, this, until I broke my foot in February, uh, I was still working behind a chair three days a week. Okay. And I run the organization and, well, you know, this is the truth. I have worked 80 hours a week, seven days a week for nine years to get this off the ground hmm. and to get this going. And that's not a complaint. That's a reality. That's what it's taken. Well, people need to it's know. It's taken. Because what you're asking for is a commitment. Yes. You're not people who just all of a sudden feel emotional one day and want to show up, and but they haven't had the training. They right, don't have the right. know-how to be able to truly service. Well, as it's grown, I didn't know I was going to have to do this. Right. You know, I worked three days a week so I could make a living and then I would see children three days a week and then you know the weekends would be catch-up you know Sunday mm -hmm. would be church and family and catch-up and then there were so many it was revealed to me that there were so many other needs that needed to be addressed and as it's been shown to me we have tried to address them 
and in the meantime I have trained we now have six of us that can do this in Michigan I just had I'm I have a graduating class of four my first graduating class and two or my staff are trained so now I really feel more comfortable that I can like come out to California and do this wonderful interview with you mm. and, and be gone for a couple of days. And Were these six then work out of the, the wellness center then? Only the two that okay. work as part of my staff works at the center. The other ones are at their own salon, but now they will be able, if a child calls, I can now, they have their wig and they're going to prom, I can send them to their salon. Got it. And they can go over there and they can get their hair done and their makeup done. And, but they come to the wellness center to donate time and hours to help the children. You had said a while back that one of the first steps, or obviously you, you said you want them to trust you, and so you. Oh yeah. But then you also said that uh, one of the first processes, obviously before you fit them with the mold, is you have to shave their head. Talk to us about that process, because I'm just picturing that even yeah. if their hair is already falling out, you know, to then take it to that next step. Now we're taking a razor, right. a clipper to your head. What is that like? Well, that, that has to be. Yeah, that's devastating for the children. And that doesn't happen on our first visit either. Okay. When they first come to me and they've been diagnosed, they haven't always, most of the time, they have not lost their hair or started yet. Okay. So then I tell them how this is going to happen and what, you know, it takes 14 days before it starts to fall out and by 21 days it's gone. So there's this only short window of time. So we need to make a decision, get them into a synthetic wig and get their human wig ordered. And then I tell them when that process starts, I ex explain to them what they're going to experience. Because you don't think that it would be painful or uncomfortable to lose your hair, because we lose hair every day. But the reality is, when your hair falls out from medication, from treatment like that, it is uncomfortable and it's sore. It's physically painful? Yes, it's physically painful. It's, it's like when you, when I was a little girl and I would pull my hair back in a ponytail and it was really tight and I take it down, my whole head is sore. And that's the way it feels for them. And so I tell them when that sensation, that tingling sensation starts, the hair is starting to fall out. You have a short window of time. Then you need to call Miss Maggie and we will get you in right away. Then you can let me know if you're ready. When you're ready, you call me and then I will shave your head. So correct me on this or educate us on this. I had heard that for some, it was easier for them to actually shave their head mm -hmm. before it started falling out because mm -hmm. they felt like they were in control, control of, it, of yes. when it took place mm -hmm. right. rather than it was just going to happen to them. Right. That is true when, but sometimes they hold on to every strand. Right. It is just amazing. Some of them will even collect it and put it in a Ziploc bag. And what's your process? What's the role that you play in that as those who are... I honor their what wishes. I, right. Whatever they want is okay with me. Okay. There is no judgment here and there is no right or wrong and there's no right way to do this. Whatever they want, I go along with. It's happening to them. It's their experience. Nobody can tell them what is best for them. Do Only you, they know. Do you find that maybe there are other experiences of treatment, all very needed and all very necessary, that maybe that's where they don't have any control and they're kind of put into the system, so to speak. And I, mm -hmm. I don't mean anything bad by that, mm -hmm. but where their vote doesn't really matter, their opinion doesn't really matter, where or isn't really listening action. to. Right. But with you and right. th this process, you're giving them that Absolutely. power to have an opinion and that it Absolutely. matters to you. And I will have mothers say to me, like I had this little girl who came to me and her dad was holding her. She was three years old and, and she would not have anything to do with me and she did not want to be there. She was how old? She was three years old. Right. And her dad was trying to convince her about wearing a wig and she said she only wanted a blue wig, like Blue's Clues. That was it. And her dad said, well, honey, you can't have a blue wig. And I said, sure she can. <laughs> he said, what? I said, sure she can. He said... She can? I said, sure. Come back next week, schedule an appointment for Monday, and Miss Maggie will get you your blue wig. Hmm. Well, next week when she came in, of course it was a costume wig, and I cut it apart and put, sewn it back together, and it, you know, and it fit her, and don't you know, I was her new best friend. Of course. Then she sat in the chair for me, and she allowed me to work with her before right. that. 
No mm. way. Mm. So that's what I mean when I say sometimes they come and we just sit in flight the first time. Okay. And everything in our in our wellness center has wigs. Our bears have wigs. Our dolls have wigs. Everything has a wig. So we have a toolbar, and we go up to the toolbar, and we have a little mannequin for them. It has real hair, and they take the wig on and off, and I show them how to put it on and off. And, and they have a little blow dryer, play ones, because Mommy usually does it when they're that small. But I teach them what you know how to take care of their wig. So sometimes it's just role-playing and playing with the children. The first visit, we don't even get to actually work with them. Or we'll play dress-up, and we'll put wigs on and play dress-up. Hmm. Once they trust me and they know that I'm not going to hurt them and that they're there and, you know, and we have fun together, and they think they own the place. I mean, they walk in there, they know where the fridge is and their juice boxes and their cookies, and, you know, so they feel really comfortable, and that's what it's about. What's, what's the age group? What's the, what's the youngest? I've had them as young as two. I prefer we don't do anything till three because the ones that come in at two, it really bothers mom more than it does so the child. So the kid doesn't, doesn't right. e isn't even aware of it. They but usually it, but, are not aware of it until they get ready to go to preschool. But I guess that's kind of important to the mom, though. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Absolutely. Mo well, mom that's another reality. Right. My child has cancer. My child is bald. She doesn't look like my child anymore. Right. Yeah. It's tough. It's very tough what these families go through. So I get it that you could train somebody how to do the mold and fit mm -hmm. for a wig and all that. I get that training. Mm -hmm. How do you train somebody to have the sensitivity, the things that you're talking about right now, to know, no, she can have a blue wig or no, it's not her time or no, allow her to hang on to every strand of hair. And I, how do you train somebody with that? It's called dignity. You just leave them their dignity, whatever it is. You don't judge it. You don't try to convince them differently. You just work around it. It's about them. It's not about you. It's how not you, about these are the rules and this is how we do it here. That's not what it's about. But it's how do you train them. somebody? So you have these volunteers and people who are listening to this right now. How do you train somebody to... When that's part of my training. That's part of the training that I teach them. It's not, you know, I don't have to take these people in our industry who already know how to cut hair beautifully and do hair to cut wigs. There's certain techniques I can teach them with the wigs, but what they don't know is what do you do when you have a child who's hysterical in your chair or a child who's depressed or a child who won't even look in the mirror or a child who has their mother leave the room before they take their hat off because they don't want their mother to see that they've been pulling their hair out. They're so ashamed. They can't even make eye contact with you. You know, these are the things we work on, too, when we teach these people. It's about, that's what I mean when I say it's about so much more than providing a wig. Where'd you get that training? Where'd you get that knowledge? Did, did Look Good Feel Better help train Absolutely. you with some of that? Okay. I, would, I would highly recommend, if you're interested in this kind of work, go and find out locally. I mean, Look Good Feel Better is a free, not only national, international program. And if you want to, if you, this is the type of work you'd like to do. When I said God was getting me ready for 20 years of working with adults to work with children, I think you have to have the heart of a servant to work with a child. Mm -hmm. And even with my adult patients, I'm very respectful of this is their process and this is their journey. And I guess that is where I learned that when, mm -hmm. you know, uh, working with them for so long. And I would highly recommend that if this is the type of work you're interested in to get involved in, go and volunteer. And if you don't want to be the facilitator, then go volunteer and help the facilitator. Because there are many times I have so many in my class, I could use another pair of hands. Many years ago, I, I interviewed the director of Look Good, Feel Better for All of Canada. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful interview. I mean, mm -hmm. I still, I, I put it on the website and everything so mm -hmm. people could click and listen to it because sure. it she was so amazing. But. I think I need to educate myself more currently about what's happening with that organization. So they are throughout the U.S. And so yes. anybody listening to this, doesn't matter the, the city that you're in, you could connect with that organization. Absolutely. And then what does the training process look like for that organization? Well, you go there and you take their training and you become certified and accredited to work with patients. And that and takes a day, that right, takes like a year. Day. It takes okay. a day. But then you go with a facilitator. Like when I took the training, I don't know what the rules are now. When I took the training 20 years ago, you had to go with the facilitator for X amount of time, and it was like three months or something, to learn how to present. And then you presented, and she was there. And so that's how you kind of learned. And I don't know what their protocol is now, but people could go on the website and check out Look Good, Feel Better. But currently, 
is it set up so that the cancer patients come to the salon? No. How it or, works or you is, go to facilities and you could have a room right. of, of 10 women and you're going right. to do a class on wigs, right. on makeup, on, how on, nails. To, on nails. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the Look Good, Feel Better is uh, sponsored by the American Cancer Society and the Cosmetic Toilet Dream Fragrance Industry and also the National Cosmetology Association. Mm-hmm. They got together and said... There's a real need out there, and I think that we can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've been doing. And so what the American Cancer Society provides the facility. They get the hospitals and cancer centers to provide the facility for this to take place. And they get the patients to sign up through the hospitals. And then they receive these kits. And everything in these kits have been out, you know, tested for sensitive skin because they're, when they're going through treatment, you know, there's so many changes to their hair, skin, and nails. And then we work out of these kits And then we also talk about the nails. So when the ladies come to the class, you know, and they have their wigs on and some don't, haven't lost their hair yet. And it doesn't matter what stage you're at uh, in this process, because pretty soon after 15 minutes, you know, the wigs uh, come off and, you know, we're all together and we're all one and they're all supportive of each other. And and it's amazing. They're so grateful just to learn, you know, they never lost their eyebrows. How do you put eyebrows on? You know, us in the industry, it's no big deal. But to women who don't know, or how do you know? How much should I pay for a wig and what kind of wig do I need? And how do you take care of it and how often should I wash it? And what happens when I get sores on my head and my nails fall off? So now, are you trained and certified to provide all of that information or are you just teaching on the wigs and then there's somebody else that's coming in to teach on makeup and somebody I, else that you No, you're the facilitator. You do the hair, skin and nails. Okay. Exactly. Uh, you, we don't give medical advice. That's right. not what we're there for. But we're the cosmetologists, so we right. can advise them on makeup and skin care and, and the main reason that they put this program together is not only to help the women look and feel better about themselves, but also for safety reasons and health reasons because their immune system is compromised. And at this time in their life, you can get contamination through your makeup. So you can get sick through your nose, mouth, and your eyes. So you want to make sure that your makeup's not contaminated that you're using. And so we just teach them good hygiene and how to care for Well, you had mentioned that there are medical wigs. Right. Is there also different makeup that women going through chemotherapy, different makeup that they would use rather than the one that they used to use? or Sometimes. That's why they give them the kits because all the makeup that's in the kit is like... Also in the kit... In the is, kit. is there a wig in the kit? No, there's no wig. D- there's makeup. But there's in the makeup kit. and skincare. Okay. You know, and that's what they get in the kit. And then we talk about the wigs. And I, I take demo wigs and talk about this is, you know, a medical wig and this is not and this is human and this is synthetic. And so that they know what their choices are. We are not there when to ever promote ourselves or endorse any company. That's not what we're there for. Right. We are there to strictly educate and support. Now, do do these women ever come to to your salon? Because I, I, did it used to be that way? Or is it still that way where they would come to your salon to be fitted for a wig? Because I've had people say that they even had like a sign saying that they were an official location where they could come and they had like a private room for women to be fitted. And do they still do that or do you know? Well, the first 10 years that I did the Look Good, Feel Better program, I never, never even carried wigs. It's not the business that I'm in. But they would bring their existing wigs to me, and I would okay. cut and help them with them. And unfortunately, when in our industry, there's not enough known about the wig industry, that it's, you know, uh, hair replacement systems, you know, that's, it's getting more knowledgeable, and people are more knowledgeable now than they used to be. But still, they're, you know, people are not well-informed, and they sell these people wigs that fits inappropriately, and um, they then don't wear them. They spend all this money, they throw them in the drawer, and they won't wear them because they don't fit properly. So we need more people out in our industry doing this. And there are wig salons that you can go to. But honestly, they're not always licensed cosmetologists that work there. Right. So, you know, there's some disconnect here within our industry. I wish that were different. You know, I think it's getting better, but well, I don't know that we've... that's what this is for. Right. I, to... I don't think we've arrived yet. <laughs> well, people like you and organizations mm-hmm. such as... Wigs for kids and yes. look good, feel better are going right. to help Yes, absolutely. eliminate that disconnect. Yeah. I want to switch gears here, but I think that the main message that at least what I've been hearing for the last you know, 10, 15 minutes as we're talking logistically about mm-hmm. how all of this works is that you know, th- this takes a commitment. 
This oh, is not yeah. one morning you wake up and think right. by the weekend you're done. Uh-uh. Yeah. This is a commitment. And bottom line, if you're listening to this and this does pull at your heartstrings, you need to make the commitment, but you need to educate yourself. Yeah. You really need to get the training and the education so that you're uh, knowledgeable and sensitive in how to serve. Absolutely. Yes. Just a couple of other questions here, but then another angle I want to take mm-hmm. you in here. Mm-hmm. The center also, I read here, the kids can participate in, in art mm-hmm. and, and music therapy. Yes. Can you tell us about that as well? That is wonderful, yeah. You already said they know where their cookies are. They know where their right. juice is. Yes. They own the place. They right. take over. Oh, but now do. there's also art and music going right. on too. Tell us about that. Well, because a lot of times they'll come in and we have art therapy. And they'll come to an art class. But if you say it's therapy, they're not really that interested in opening up and talking. Right. But when they start painting, they start talking about we have a facilitator in there who not only working with them with the art, but we have a therapist in there. And they start talking about their feelings and about how long they've been sick and what it's like and how do they feel about going to school or being bullied at school or what, you know, made fun of and how do they like their wig or, you know, do their friends still come and visit them now that they're sick? And, you know, and we open up conversation and pretty soon they really don't know it's therapy. Right. But therapy's going on there. Mm. And the healing starts taking place. And, um, and right in the room, now, if they're in this room, we have sliding doors in the very next room are the parents. And the parents in there with either the dietitian talking about their children's nutrition issues or we have a grief and loss counselor talking about. And people go, grief and loss, because is that just for parents who have lost their children? No, because when you have a child who's lost their health, that's a terrible loss to the mm-hmm. family as well. And then we have sibling classes where the you know, because all the focus is on the child who's ill. So then we have we have uh, support classes for siblings, and we do special projects with them so that they get some attention, mm-hmm. too, because parents have guilt that they neglect this child to help that child. Right. So we try to address all the different issues and dynamics wow. that go on in the family. But I didn't know all of this when I started Wigs for Kids. This is just being aware of what's going on around me and mm. watching the children and the families and assessing their needs and saying, okay, how, what can we do and how can we serve? Mm. And then, you know, when you have a wonderful clientele and they're, you know, when I started this program, my clients would sit there with color on their hair, stuffing envelopes for me. <laughs> and that's the truth. And that's how this got off the ground. And so now I go to them and I, you know, this client has got 40 years experience and she's the director of the performing arts school and of the performing arts school. And so I said to her, would you be the director of our, of our, <laughs> and she said she retired and three weeks later, she was the director of our program. And then I went to where I teach the Look Good Feel Better program at the Weber Cancer Center. I went to uh, the social worker there who won Uh, an award for being the best oncology social worker in the United States. And I went to her and said, we only want the best for our kids. Mm. I said, I've been serving here for a long time. I now need your help. Would you help me? Mm. She said, absolutely. So when, that's how this started. When I went to my lawyer and said, I have $5,000 I'm willing to put into this, and but I need legal guidance. Will you help me? And he's been our lawyer for 10 years and has never charged us a dime. And I went to my CPA and said, okay, you, you're the CPA of my salon and I need help with this. Will you help? She wrote the check for our nonprofit status. So that's how this program started, through the kindness and generosity and love and support of people. Well, that's kind of a, an, an ongoing theme in a lot of these masters uh, interviews that I do is hairdressers are connected to the best of the best of everybody. We are. You know, you want the best lawyer, you want the best oncologist, you want the best, you know, ask a hairdresser. Because all those people are sitting in their chair and have intimate Mm -hmm. (laughs) conversations and experiences with their hair. It's beautiful. My husband always goes, you need brain surgery, ask my wife, you know. (laughs) Because we are fortunate, aren't we, that we have that kind of clientele. Have you ever heard of a book called Teach Only Love? No. Oh, gosh. It was by um, Gerald Jampolsky, who founded the Center for Attitudinal Healing up in Tiburon, California. And it's this type of a facility for uh, children who are dealing with potentially life-threatening diseases and everything. But he wrote a book called Teach Only Love, and it's his... (laughs) Stories of these children who are dealing with death and dying. Uh, Again, a very adult issue, and what these kids are teaching adults about 
death and dying. That sounds like somebody I need to know. Yeah. Absolutely. Never met him, but I've been promoting him for 20 years. So if you wow. finally get him on the phone saying he owes me, okay. he owes he doesn't know who I am, but he owes me because okay. I've sold many, many, many of his books. So. Well, and we'll sell it. more now. Yes, so. and I'll be buying it for yeah. sure. So let's take this on another path here. You said that some of your kids are as young as two years old, and, and, and then some you're helping them getting ready for prom and graduation mm-hmm. and everything else. Mm-hmm. So tell me some of your stories. Well, I'd like to tell you the story about my first one, who was my inspiration, my little Emily. She came to my class. She was 16 years old, came to my Look Good, Feel Better class, and that's the first one that I helped. She is still in our program, and yes, she's over 18, and you're supposed to age out at 18, Mm. but because she's never been able to work, and Mm. she's still fighting the battle. Uh, Right now, she's on the list for a liver replacement, Mm -hmm. and she um, is my hero. I call her, she's my hero. Uh, because it's amazing when what you see these children go through. And so she believes, and I believe too for her, as well as myself, that her purpose on earth was to help me start Wigs for Kids, mm. to be my inspiration to start this program. And uh, Dang it, she hooked you in. <laughs> she, <laughs> You can't let her down. <laughs> I know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of it. Oh, wow. so, and she's so precious and, you know, hardly able to walk and she shows up at everything i mean in her wheelchairs and they bring her and she's so proud that her life has had purpose Mm -hmm. her life has had meaning and when she is in the hospital when she wears her wigs for kids Uh t-shirt so all the nurses ask her who it is and she's so proud to be a part of it wow but you know i have a thousand of those stories you know tell Um, me i want to hear them I'm telling you, to each me, one I need is, the stories. Oh, <laughs> my God. Each one is so precious, too. And we're really blessed because you do get to know these children and you get to know their families. And, you know, uh, 90% of our kids are girls, but 10% of our kids are boys. You look very handsome without hair, when, But some boys, especially little boys, they don't want to be bald, you know, right. and they don't want to have to wear a baseball cap. So, so I'm sorry, what percentage are, 10% are, are, are boys? 10% are boys. Okay. Yeah, 90% are girls. And we ask for 10 inches of hair because most of our girls uh, want long hair. But if 7 inches or more, we are always grateful for, for the hair that we get. We only accept, you know, no chemically treated hair. It has to be virgin hair okay. because our wigs are made just for children. Right. And um, kids are much rougher on the wigs than adults. So, they have to hold up longer and mm-hmm. they wear them longer mm-hmm. so they have to last longer for the kids so that's why and we're so fortunate you know when every day and this is the god's truth we get calls from around the world we get calls from iraq romania germany italy france belgium all over around the world wanting to replicate our program this is not a local problem All right this isn't just in Michigan. Yes, we have 500 newly diagnosed cases of kids in Michigan every year with cancer, but this is in the United States. It's around the world as well. It's a mm-hmm. universal problem. Mm-hmm. And we need wigs for kids in every state across the United States and every country around the world. People, It's heartbreaking. It's gut-wrenching when these families call me and say, please, will you help my child? I will tell you a story if I can get through this story. There was a young girl, she's 14 years old, in New York City, New York, and she was going to school, and she was crossing the street with some of her friends, and there was a car, the car in front was stopped at the stoplight, and the car behind didn't want to wait, and pulled out around, and took off and hit this young girl, and she was killed. And the family wanted to make some sense out of her death. And she had wanted to, if anything ever happened to her, donate her organs. And Mm -hmm. so her family did that. And they researched, and they wanted to donate her hair. She Mm -hmm. had beautiful, beautiful long hair. And they sent it to Wigs for Kids. And when I received it, it was Mm blood-soaked. And we sterilized it so that we could use it for a wig because it meant so much to this family. Right. This was a part of their child. Right. You know, people who can grow hair think, um, oh, it's nothing. You can cut it off. It grows back, you know. But to this family, this was a part of their child that they were giving us to help another child, even in their time of need. Mm-hmm. And those are the stories when that we deal with every single day, you know, doing this type of work. This work isn't for everybody. Right. You know, but I was so proud yesterday when I had the opportunity to speak to your students 
And I often ask, are there any questions? And when I was done with the first class, I'll bet you a dozen of them came up to me and said, one of your students said, I had cancer, you know, when I was younger. And another one said, you know, my niece is going through cancer right now. And another one, you know, said, my sister has alopecia. And another one says, I have trick. And but they felt comfortable coming right. up and opening up and talking about it. And they never talked about it. Right. And uh, it was so great to see that they just embraced, you know, the response was so warm from your students yesterday, from our future professionals, right. you know, uh, both classes that I had an opportunity right. to do. But it's more prevalent than we know. The need is much greater than we are aware of for this service out there. And uh, honestly, I know I say this, but I really thought it was about putting wigs on heads and, you know, helping the self-esteem of kids, but it's about so much more. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about holding these kids up and giving them hope and inspiration and being there for them. They need us. Mm -hmm. This is our industry. We need to embrace this. We can make a difference. Look at the difference we make every day behind our chair. Just every day. We're so blessed. We get to do that type of work and make people feel better. Can you imagine what we and do for these kids? And that hair is growing back. Yes, yes. Can you imagine what we do for these kids? Do you have any stories about where it was the parents who actually learned <laughs> the biggest lesson from their oh. child oh, going through that, this? Oh, my goodness. That happens every day. Every day when they sit in, in the room there with their children, uh, you can see what these parents are going through and uh, their children are often comforting the parents. Right. It's amazing that the kids handle it better than the parents do. I don't know if it's because they don't understand the whole scope of the finality of it may be, but you know, they're so optimistic and they're so inspirational and people say, how do you do this kind of work? And I'm telling you, once you work with these kids, how can you not do this kind of work? Right. You know, you know that even, you know, people say, well, what do you do when you lose them? It's horrible. Of course it's horrible. But for this amount of time that we've been a part of their life and they've been a part of ours, what an experience it has been. Mm -hmm. You know that you truly have made a difference in their life and they have in yours. Making it's both it, ways. Getting involved in this it doesn't only have to be serving these kids and fitting for the wigs because there might be people listening to this saying oh i couldn't do that and that's okay you have to know what you're good at so maybe mm -hmm. you actually couldn't work well, with the kids but we need the money you can go out and beg for money or you can you beg go. for ponytails you can you even go. if you ever never even meet any of these kids who are being served you absolutely can do something here you can help you yeah. can make a difference and you're right it's not for everybody when this is not how i saw my career going you know, I owned a salon. I was, you know, throughout my career, my goodness, I've been a platform artist, a national platform artist, international platform artist. I've owned several salons, educational director. This is not how I saw my career going. Mm. But they say, you know, man plans and God laughs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. This is not exactly what I had in mind, but I'm so grateful and so uh, glad that I've had so, this opportunity so to do this. What, what are your goals? I, I mean, you, you said, obviously, you've been, you've been contacted from people all over the world saying they need this type of a program in their communities. So what are your goals? What do you envision? Well, when, until our dear friend Tina Black challenged me, my goal was to service every child in Michigan. That mm. was my goal, and, I was, and I've been pretty busy. Yeah, stay away from yeah, Tina, because <laughs> she kind of has a way of doing that she to you. Where, when you. When you think you're ready to be done, she's yes, like, no, you're not. Exactly. <laughs> and I went to present at her class, and I said, are there any questions? And she stood up in the back and said, yes. You know, what is your goal? What is your dream, and what is your vision? And... I thought, are you kidding? I'm living it right now. I'm, you know, I'm working as, you know, as much as I can, doing as much as I can, helping as many as I can. And without a beat, I turned and looked at her and said, you know, my dream would be uh, that every child in Michigan would have this service available to them and would never be in need. And we're always struggling financially because even though we got 8,000 hair donations, we never seem to be able to get the funds to make it into a way. You know, we, we're always trying to balance that because the kids come faster than, and the hair comes faster than the funds sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty typical with nonprofit. And she said, what is your dream? I said, well, my dream would be that every child in America would have this available to them. Because we get calls all the time, people asking, please, will you help my child? 
And I said, of course, my vision would be that every child in the world, mm -hmm. because we get calls from around the world. But I hadn't really consciously thought that until she asked me that question. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wouldn't that be a total God job or something? You'll duplicate yourself. You know, you'll do it through this message. You'll do it from the lives of every single child that you touch yeah. and, and their parents. and. People will talk about you and you'll duplicate it. So when I get these accolades and all these wonderful awards, I'm always so humbled because really I'm not doing anything different than I have not done for the last 40 years in this industry. I'm just now doing it for children. Mm. You know, this is what we do, you know, with the people that sit in our chair every day. Mm. We help them to feel better. How do people find you? Well, they can visit us on our website. It's www.wigs with the number four kids.org. They can call us at our center, area code 586 772 6656. And uh, they can Facebook us. They can check us out on Facebook and friend us, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they can visit us. We're in Michigan, St. Clair Shores, Michigan, 30126 Harper Avenue, St. Clair Shores, Michigan. And I would love to hear from you. And you can email me, Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E, at wigs, with the number four, kids.org. We'll make sure all of this stuff is up on our website as well. Oh, thank you, Wynn. So you received, I have to read this, in 2009, Champions Award from the Optimist Club, <laughs> and you were selected as Woman Who Makes Magic. <laughs> I don't do it alone, Wayne. It takes all of us to make <laughs> it happen. None of us do anything alone. Yeah. No, I have a wonderful team and great support from... Do you have a final message for our listeners, Maggie? If there's anybody out there that is interested in supporting and helping these children, they truly need our help. And one person, it only starts with one person, and you can make a difference. And just take action. You know, don't just think about it. Do something. Make a difference. Reach out. Reach back. Help somebody. Beautiful. Well, congratulations. And uh, best of luck to you and this incredible organization. <laughs> Proud of you. It's an honor to meet you and to know you. I'm so honored to be here. I felt like I was, you know, I've seen you for so many years when I've subscribed to your master's and... Uh, when, you know, I got the call and about coming to do this interview, I was so, I'm so honored. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs>